Welcome to a football show, Monday edition. Game number two of the Tennessee Titans preseason is in the books. He is Zach. I am Braden. We, of course, are brought to you by the Kingston Group and Weiss Liquors. We'll tell you more about those great partners and sponsorships coming up a little bit later on in the show. 13-3 victory, if that matters, for the Tennessee Titans. That's a that's a Mike Vrabel fever dream. Yeah, well, the first uh, quarter and a half were really boring, but we learned a lot, and we're going to talk a lot about Malik Willis today on the show, of course. What did he learn? Has he caught up with Logan Woodside? Does Zach think he's closing in on that number two quarterback yet? I'm going to get you to admit it at some point that he's the number two quarterback. Maybe not yet. Uh, we're going to talk about all of the offensive rookies in particular. Uh, they were the pass catchers, the running backs. They were excellent, and we're going to talk about them. Dylan Radins, NPF. Uh, maybe not the or a different type of Mike Vrabel fever dream, perhaps watching Dylan Raiden's pass block. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit. The the that's a, a, a fever nightmare. <laughs> the defense was absolutely Mike Vrabel. There's no question about that. The defensive front. We'll get to that. The secondary, um, the practice with secondary Arizona. just got me just gets me all excited. I mean, like there's if you're not watching on video, you would have seen me do like body tremors. I'm I'm just like shaking because it's just so exciting. It's like the truffle shuffle, the truffle shuffle. There you have it. Uh, we'll look ahead to what we expect out of the Arizona Cardinals Titans joint practice this week uh, as well. And maybe maybe some Broadway sports media news as well, because uh, obviously big announcements on Monday. Uh, I will admit, however, that we are recording this on Sunday following the Mike Vrabel press conference and the win. Uh, I We got some work stuff we had to deal with, so we'll be back live on Thursday. So we apologize to all you great commenters, uh, Stoney and Donnie and Kevin and all you great guys that, that comment all the time. We apologize about that. But uh, again, we'll be back on Thursday live. But, you know, most of this show, Zach, needs to be dedicated to what we saw on Saturday night at Nissan Stadium. Uh, so we're going to do that. What should the good folks do with all of their notifications and all the, all the social platforms? They need to go to 440 Sports YouTube page first and foremost. That is that is let's let's start trying to get that brand or I guess that channel built up because that should be your go to because not only is this show on there, but you have the fringe element, which is an SEC show. You That's have true. old standard, which is a hockey show. You have club and country, which is a soccer show. You have lamestream media, all these video clips and videos and full podcasts and all this stuff are at 440 sports. So that's where you need to go for over there. Then you need to go to Broadway sports YouTube page because there's going to be all kinds of crazy things happening that were announced earlier today on Monday. At some point, I have no clue when they're announcing it at the time <laughs> of this recording. So I don't want to, um, <laughs> overstep just in case it's like a 4 PM and here we are at 1 PM. Okay. So, I am How about this. Say, a lot of really cool stuff. They're, Broadway they're, Sports Media announced so much cool yeah. stuff today. It was awesome. I can't yeah. I, I can't even tell you exactly what it was. It was so great. Or Broadway Sports Media is at four o'clock later today. <laughs> it's about to tell you all this cool stuff that's coming down the pipeline. So now we're covered both ways. There but Broadway there Sports Media is going to have a bunch of stuff coming your way. I know that there is a new sh video slash podcast show Ooh. with a special talent that everybody loves and a uh, little little known talent. If you Huxley. that 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 will get you a uh, he's a very underplayed uh, on air talent. So that will get Huxley you a finally clue. got his own show. No, no, Huxley. No Huxley. I, I'm waiting for the Huxley. We, we have he understands English. He cannot speak English yet. So the, so we're there. The podcast P A W D C A S T. The mm. podcast. There you go. From I like Huxley. <laughs> I do. I do want to showcase something for the video. Oh, listeners. okay. All right. I went down to see uh, my dad uh, this weekend. My parents. And okay. This is a Chuck Cecil. Ooh. Given the bird. 
autograph <laughs> signing that dad is pawning off on me because he knows he's getting he's clearing out his garage and this is probably is in his garage somewhere and he thinks i want it and he, he said you can put that behind in your podcast studio and you can the, the people will love that and stuff that's probably people. not going back there I what I what I love is that I I'm learning to get glimpses of like who you are and how you became the person that you became. The fact that your father has an autographed photo of a coach giving the bird tells me all I need to know about where you came from. Yeah, it's for some charity donation that dad did. It says uh, Richard Baptist Babies appreciate your donation. I just think it's weird that he just says Baptist Babies. Like why not Methodist Babies? Um, you're I'm more number of a, one. I'm more, of a I'm more of a Lutheran guy myself. Yeah. You know, you're number one, Chuck Cecil. No, yeah, that's that's one no, way of saying number one. All right. Like over there or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, all right. So again, real quickly, Weiss Liquors Kingston Group. Weiss Liquors, Uber Eats, type in Weiss Liquors. They'll deliver booze right to your house as quickly as 20 minutes. I'm not sure what else you need. I was in there. I stopped up for the weekend uh, on Friday, went in. I said 440 at the counter, got my 10% off uh, a purchase. So I got a couple of bottles for the wife, got a couple of bottles for myself, Got my 10% off. So again, Weiss Liquors, almost 100 years of locally owned independent business here in Nashville. Go check them out there on Gallatin, right by the Titan Stadium. And so a pretty good beer selection. If you like, I got, uh, yeah. they, they're one of the few places, Weiss Liquors is one of the few places that has the Einstock lager, not the winter lager, just the regular lager. Everybody else has the toasted amber chestnuts on the open fire kind of deal that I hate. The Christmas this is lager. Just, yeah, yeah, this is just the lager. So go, go to, Weiss Liquors and stock up on Einstock. They they also have uh, and this is one of my new favorite beers that my like in laws have turned on turned me on to. It's called Adios Pantalones, uh, which obviously I've means good, goodbye pants. It's very good summer beer. They they're one of the few stores that carries it. Uh, they got two different flavors, and again, right there by the Titan Stadium. So stock up before the game or stock up after. Or if, you, if you're in this case celebrating a victory, and of course the Kingston Group, buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Make sure you check out the Kingston Group. Okay, so uh, thirteen to three. Let's talk Malik Willis, uh, Zach, to get started here. And the big question I have is sort of, did we see progress in what he has been clearly working on, what the coaching staff wants him to work on from game one in Baltimore? You got you got an extra day, a couple days to get to to the second game uh, against Tampa on Saturday. He was, what, 7 of 17. Uh, he ran the ball a lot of times, a lot of scrambles, a couple of sacks. I mean, not exactly perfect, but did you see progress that you wanted to see? Y yes and no. It's kind of weird. Okay, so the, the scripted drive, I thought, showed everything you wanted to see, where they basically laid everything out for him. Here are the plays that we're going to run. And it was obviously clearly scripted in that first drive, first drive and a half. After the first drive and a half for, like, about – Two or three or four drives, you kind of saw old Malik Willis, new Malik Willis. That you saw a kind of you kind of saw everything. But overall, I thought that if you put that Malik Willis into the game one against the Ravens, I think he would have scored maybe a passing touchdown then too, maybe two. I think he just looked a little bit better. Do I think he looked a lot better? No. But do I think that while Logan Woodside is kind of waddling around in obscurity and staying status quo? Did Malik Willis do enough that I'm suddenly thinking I'm going from the Titans? I still think I'm like now flip flop. Like it was like, oh, you know, I think I was like 80% there or 90% they're going to keep a um, two quarterback or three quarterbacks. Now I think it's 90% they're gonna only going to keep Malik Willis because at wow. this point. 
that that 10% really and I've always thought that they should just keep Malik Willis. I mean, I want to be clear on that, but my stance has always been I don't think the team thinks that. I don't know how you watch these last two games and see the progress and do this and that and don't think that at least if Ryan Tannehill were to go down the middle of the game, who can execute the deep passes better? And I think that is what you want because I think what you've seen in this offseason is already the Tim Kelly effect. The average depth of target for these wide receivers are all downfield, and I think that's why you see Logan Woodside struggling compared to previous preseason performances. This is always who Logan Woodside has been, but they're asking him to do more down the field vertically, and he's having a hard time with his arm talent to get the ball there. Yeah, There's a I, lot of different narratives in like one little thing. <laughs> no, I, I think, the and we'll get to sort of like, should they keep two? I think I think the gap continues to shrink. Um, I don't think it closed as much this week as it did maybe last week. But here's what I liked about Willis specifically on on Saturday. You know the first the first route, the crossing route, the timing route there with play action, which is the route they pulled him off of basically um, to 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 Nick Nick Westbrook Akine across the middle. That is the prototypical Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. You know, 10 yard dig route off play action that they want him to execute in rhythm and in timing. He did that very well. And that was the first throw, and that was great. And then I saw like two and a half, three possessions of sort of like the the Malik Willis that they're trying to work out, which is too 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 quick to pull it down. Didn't go through his reads and decision making. Didn't climb the pocket as much. Uh, a couple of delayed throws. They led to a couple of sacks. A couple of scrambles where he did make something happen. Of course, especially the one down the right sideline where he kind of stalled, stutter starts, goes out to the sideline and picks up like fifteen more yards. Um, I, I think what I liked about Willis was the progression within the game even because then I think he comes out and that that's the last drive of the second quarter, first half, you start to start to see him settle in a little bit more. The second half, he did it even more for that one drive. Like I, I, you start to see him, there was throws where I go, that's the throw they're trying to make him make. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always the right throw. It wasn't always a great throw, but you could tell that he was doing the thing the coaches were asking him to do. And I think that is, that is a good first step for him. Um, and again, the, the athleticism is there. We know that I, again, I think he still held the ball too long. I still think he took too many sacks, looked to run too early, but you could see him working it out as the game went along. And I think that was, was important to see. I I think that the Buccaneers defensive line was just so much better than any of the offensive lines that we saw that day. And and I think that you got to take a little bit of that into account. However, what I, I want to talk about the the first down play right before the touchdown play that went to Hassan Haskins in the flat. I get it. That particular play, he got a first down. But the process to get to that first down, I thought was pretty terrible. I mean, Traylon Burks was, was streaking to get open right in front of Malik's face, and he just would not cut it loose. And I think that is still an issue, and it's obviously, obviously still an issue. Here's the thing about this. There's a lot of Malik narratives I want to talk about on this show. So the first off is that Malik should not be criticized for that particular play because in the end results didn't result. Well, let me tell you who is criticizing him. If if the media can't and people on Twitter can't without being you know called racist or being you know just utterly attacked uh, and. How dare you offer objective analysis of a football player? If if we can't do that, let me tell you who is critiquing him. First off, Malik Willis is critiquing himself on that play. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that he went in, saw the film, and is just saying, man, 
I cannot believe I did not throw that ball to Traylon Burks. And the staff, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach, and the passing game coordinator are probably all on his ass about that play. It does not matter about the first down. They prefer process. They want that process to equal better results because that's yards on the field. That could have been a Traylon Burks touchdown. Granted, he went and got a Chig touchdown, which was a beautiful play. Now, I'm anxious to see that play on the All-22 because I want to see who else was open he, he on does, that particular play. He does he looks hold, around. He do, and he does hold the ball the whole time. Like yes. It is a long time to hold the ball, but again, it ends up right. It's funny that you mentioned that series because I have written down on first down, second down, and the goal, the touchdown. Drops back, has all day. Drops back, has all day. Drops back, has all day. Yeah. And that's not going to be the case most of the time. So I'm with you on the on the touchdown throw. People are raving about that play, and it was exactly right. He stays in the pocket. He climbs the pocket. He goes through his reads. Yeah. The question I want to know is, what else was going on? Yeah, and in a real game, does he even have time to get to like the fifth read? Because yeah. normally you don't. But but again, when he makes the decision to stay in the pocket and fire the football in there, it was. I mean, it's because exactly it, what you want to say. Really, what what does that come down to? If he had the time in the pocket and he wouldn't have had that time maybe in a normal game. That comes down to the long developing routes by the offensive coordinator. Right. So it, it will be interesting to see what's going down in that end zone during that play. It's one of the plays I'm looking forward to going back and watching because I look at it this way. Even if, if, if there's someone else throughout his read that is getting NFL open and he still holds on to the ball to get it to Chig, that's still bad process. Great result. Right. And, I, I also want to shout out to WKRN for having the world's worst broadcast last night. That was one of the worst. Did you see when they kicked the field goal, they put it up to 30 points? Oh, and th th I will say this to your point, and it's all because go listen to our interview with Cal and Baxter. This is ABC. On, <laughs> go, go listen to Cal Baxter's interview on Lamestream Sports. We had the, the, the former videography for ABC. Now, he would not run the live camera shots during a broadcast, but still, the number of times that they were fooled on play action or the zone read or where he was throwing the foot, like the, the camera people were not on, on point. And sometimes on they wouldn't night. even show replays. It would be, we got yeah, five, in a commercial break, we got five co commercials about a waste pro, but we can't, we can't get a replay. Like, give me, give me a break. These, these preseason, this preseason broadcast was, bad. was, was bad. bad last year. It's bad this year. I'm sick of it. All right. Let me, let me, let me, uh, yeah. I want to ask you about the, the, it was the, it was, I think it was the second down play on the drive prior to the touchdown drive where he avoids a sack that, that Dylan, we'll get to Dylan Raidens, that Dylan Raidens just completely whiffs on a block. Ugh. And it's one of those times, and he ends up completing it to the right flat, I believe, to Des, Des Fitzpatrick for about a 10 or 12 yard gain. I think it was 18 yards on that play. And, and it was a lot, some of it was about half a throw and then about that was half a yet. wild looking throw. Like, yes. I, I don't even know how it got there. I don't even know how Des, of all people, caught it. It was just, it was just crazy. It was a that, crazy play. I, the only reason I bring that up is to point out that that is an example of a good scramble. That is an example of where his athleticism and making the play that Woodside A cannot and that Vrabel is okay with is when you have just instantaneous pressure because Dylan Radens sucked and, and he just rolls out right and instantly finds the receiver and just makes a play. That is a time where that is okay. The first couple of drives, he was doing it where I thought it was because he didn't process things. So I do want to point out when I thought there was progress and that was a play where I thought there was progress. I thought, I think it's interesting that Mike Vrabel is preaching about leaving the back of the pocket that uh, I have noticed that he was talking about that. And he, and he talks about like, that's not necessarily going to be 
uh, viable all the time. And I'm thinking, well, I, I see other teams' quarterbacks do that. I feel like Patrick Mahomes does that, and Aaron Rodgers all do that, and R- Russell Wilson. So why? It, it, the reason I bring that up is because it, it goes back to when I did my quarterback draft rankings for the rookies. I put Malik Willis at five, not because of talent, but because you really got to let Malik be Malik for for a lot of what he does. And that's one of the things I feel like let's not take that. Let's not scare him into second guessing into going into that. And I feel like that's what they did with Marcus on some things with Fitz. I'm hoping that they're not going to try to take that away because that is that play right there is why people thought Malik should have gone the first round. Yeah. Yeah. And And, and let me say this too, real quick. And I, I'll talk about this on Dylan Raidens. There is a play where Dylan Raidens just kind of I, I, is on a scramble and maybe even ended up as a sack where Dylan Raidens kind of gave up. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. So, Raidens. so the re, and the part, the other part of the reason I bring that up, and I think it might be the play you're talking about, where it was very similar. It was a drop back, and then he rolls out to the right, up and around the tackle, the right tackle block. Yeah, but he didn't need to. And it created pressure because he, yes, he, he, he that was he, both. I thought that was both yeah. on them. So he should have stayed there because because the, the right tackle had the block. He had a body. He had positioning, and that's one of those where he created the pressure by actually rolling out of the pocket too soon. And so there's again, it's yes. such it's such nuance and such delicate. Like Rabel probably has, and I tried to do it where I was like, all right, that's a sack. That's a scramble that was good. That's a scramble that's bad. That was a designated run. Like you're trying to sort of like chart it all. And and I would love to see Vrabel's and Tim Kelly and and Todd Downing chart on when was when he absolutely did the right thing, when he did absolutely the wrong thing, and then the middle ground sh- shots. And I think we we're getting a good sense of what those are. I still go back, and this is this is how we'll end the conversation about Willis, which is tied into. Oh, I'm not done about oh. Willis. I got other stuff. Okay. I got to talk about Willis. Okay, you you go then, because my final question is going to be how close is he to Woodside, and I I think we can get to that after you. You, you got a couple more narratives to get there, to. There's then. a there's a narrative that popped up last night, and this this and Joe Rexroad caught it and kind of questioned it too. Now you know me, Braden. I live in the Titans Twitter sewers. <laughs> I mean, I, I bathe in God bless the you. disgusting mess that is the sewer water. I, I, I drink it. I eat it. It's my lifeblood. So I see all kinds of crazy things that are being said constantly, right? If there is a vast amount of people saying one thing, I typically bring it up. Mike Herndon put out a tweet last night talking about the narrative that Malik Willis should start over Ryan Tannehill. That cannot be a thing that's happening. It is not a thing that is happening. I the only he you now he mentions Mike uh, Michael Irvin said something. I, I don't know what he said. I, I didn't catch it. But Chris Canty, he mentioned Chris Canty. Well, he mentioned another NFL segment, and it was the Chris Canty bold predictions segment. That does not mean that he l- legit thinks that Malik Willis should start over Ryan Tannehill. Right. I am. I, I I didn't really want to get into it with with Mike on on Twitter last night, but there is literally nobody, no, that nobody worth their salt. And I would say that's a very we're talking like maybe there's probably like I don't know twenty Titans fans that I bet have said this in his mentions, like twenty versus everybody else. This is not a real narrative, and this is not a narrative to bring up and act like that. You know, it, it's something serious. I, I I poo-poo on this narrative, and I this and I poo-poo that this narrative even existed. 
so it, and I'm a Twitter. I am Twitter. I know you do. I know you. I know. Yeah, you're pretty. You're 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 an ambassador, if nothing else. Yeah, uh, I, I like it, ambassador. You, you, so I I would say on a given Titans game, there's about three hundred thousand people in Nashville that watch the game. Yeah, just in in general, on average, if you get about a twenty eight rating, that's about three hundred thousand house households in Nashville watching. I'm with you on like twenty five people versus three hundred thousand who watched actually think he should be the starter. Now I say all of this as someone who filled in fills in almost once a week for Chris Canty on ESPN radio. Like I, I do, I'm doing a show on Friday. I did did a show last week. He, he, that's, they are intentionally trying to go above and beyond to do the bold prediction thing. It is designed. Like, I think somebody said, Mac Jones was an MVP candidate. It's like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying to come up with stuff that's not real, but for the sake of fun conversation, let's, let's dive into some crazy nonsense, right? Like Kyle Phillips could be, you know, rookie of the year. Like that's a crazy bold prediction based on a little bit of logic and a little bit of reasoning and stuff that we like about Kyle Phillips, but knowing full well that it's extreme that it's out in left field to some yeah, degree. Yeah, we can't be purpose. taking bold predictions and trying to turn it into and say that oh, this is a, a real right. narrative that's out right. there on the streets. No, the, no, the, I this every I <laughs> good poo poo everywhere, buddy. the The bottom line is um, we should. It's no longer the Twitter sewers. It's like the litter box. It's like yeah. the Twitter the Twitter box. Um, I I think. I think everyone with a human brain understands that Malik Willis is not even starting a game until even er, the week people one who next year. Love Malik Willis and have yes. loved Malik yes. Willis and are Malik Willis stands and even they hate it even when you criticize them. They but they don't understand that that's all we have to talk about, right? I mean, it's preseason football. Ryan well, Tannehill's not playing a game right now. How and we spent seven months talking about Ryan Tannehill. I'm kind of sick of him. Yeah, we'll but, get to we'll get to the right tackle yeah, situation. But essentially, that's. You know, even they know the reason why they're tired of the critiques is because they're like, well, we all know that he's going to have these critiques. Let's talk about something different because we know he's going to redshirt a year. So this idea that there is a big contingent of fans and vocal majority that thinks that Malik Willis should start over Ryan Tannehill is utter bullshit, Mike Herndon. All right. What else you got? That, that's that, that okay. was my last one. So I, I think so. We, we made the sort of Madden analogy last week on the show that they started the at camp. Logan Woodside was on the 10 yard line. This is there's and Malik Willis is on the zero and they're chasing each other down the field to get to the other goal line. I thought Willis had closed the gap a little bit. And then I thought Woodside maybe opened it up a couple of times during the, the practice with the bucks. I think Willis has closed the gap again. I still think he's, you know, 40% away, but I think he's closed the gap from being 90% away to being now 40% away. So I'm closing the gap even further. I think he is, two good weeks of practice away from passing Logan Woodside and they need, he needs to show more in the final game. I, I, I still think what Woodside is on the team, Zach, but I think we are, I think the over under has gone from week six that Woodside gets cut to like week three, Logan Woodside gets cut. We, over- we've just, we've just flipped in like a few days because I, I am at this point. I'm like, I would actually kind of be scratching my head Wondering why they kept three quarterbacks. That's oh, where I'm okay. at right now. Okay. I think Logan Woodside should just go to the practice squad. He hasn't put anything on tape that's really going to have anybody scrambling to come get this guy. And maybe like the Jaguars or the Colts pick him up Fa- for like a Falcons. game or something. Fal- who, who do we play first? Uh, the Titans play um, the Giants. Giants. The Giants may pick him up just for a week or something. Well, Arthur Smith knows him pretty well. So yeah. maybe, the, maybe the Falcons. I, I don't so you, you've gone way past me then. Like you, Yeah, like- but why would they even need Logan for – at that point, Logan gets to choose – you know, I think Logan gets some kind of decision, a voice in the decision because of how he is 
is in as a veteran or something where that if he clears waivers, then he gets to choose if he wants to go to the Falcons practice squad. And why would he choose to go to the Falcons practice squad? It's the same situation as over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, Mariota could get hurt very easily. So, yeah, but I mean, then you look at it. I mean, is his family here and isn't he dating yeah. like someone in the Strunk family or something like that? I, wow. Looks, that, I, I, I thought he was. News. That's I good mean, news right there. Is that, is that I thought that was common news? And maybe I'm thinking of a different player, but I thought that was pretty commonly known. So, I'm, um, I just I'm to the point where the ten percent of me still thinks that the Titans think they need him, but from a standpoint, if you were to put Logan in a game now and put Malik in a game now, I think Malik gives you the better chance to win that game, especially if you're behind. And if you're ahead, I think Logan Woodside gives you a, a better chance at losing the game at this point because he Ooh. cannot. It does not look like he can do the throws necessary for the new Tim Kelly Todd Downing offense. I I just don't think he has the arm strength to pull that stuff off. I I think the number of scenarios in which Logan Woodside is a better decision to play than Malik Willis, 17 games, 10 games, four games, two games, a half a game, I think has dwindled down to like, if the Titans are up by 10 in the fourth quarter of a game and they need somebody to turn around and hand it off and be in the right play every single time, like that might be the only situation in which I I'm still comfortable with Woodside being out there instead of Willis. That is dwindled down to like that scenario, and that's it for me. Like every other scenario, and, and really, Malik has no issue doing the plays out of the huddle, so I don't see why yeah. he couldn't even do that point. I, at this point, I just think that ha- having Malik go through the game planning and being involved in the offense week after week to prepare for all these different defenses, it's. I just think it's just, yep. I, I don't see any reason why, especially with all these defenders that you, you can't carry enough defenders right now uh, because they're all good. <laughs> like yeah. We're going to get to it in a minute, but all these defenders are good. And I feel like at this point now, you can visibly see on the field and all it takes is, is one game and a few good practices, but okay, well, maybe carrying the fifth safety is more important than carrying quarterback three Logan Woodside. Or, or like all the good players on defense are good and none yeah. of the offensive linemen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I, I think I, I feel like I should take credit for convincing you that even after the first game, I was like, I think Willis is better. I think he's a better player. I think he deserves to be out there. I, I think it's, I think even more of that now. And I'm glad that I've convinced you otherwise. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really Malik convinced me his, his progress. I know, convinced I know. Me. I know. Uh, but I'll take credit for it, his work ethic and, and his attitude because that's that's what we do here on the show. Um, all right, let's get to the rookies, offensive playmakers. Uh, a lot of things to discuss here. Ooh. I know you got some thoughts on people going to overreact to Traylon Burks again, and we'll get to that in a second. But I thought Kyle Phillips was excellent, not only in the punt return game, but in the you know actually in the game itself, he got some run, got a few targets. Willis missed him on an out route. I think that Vrabel said the. You just got to complete the pass in the press conference on Sunday, and that was on, that means that throw was on Willis. Um, again, he took too long, and it was a far hash throw, and should have gotten it on to Phillips there. Uh, so he was excellent. I thought Hassan Haskins showed the the vertical up and down, get north and south quick, put the foot in the ground, one cut and go type of player that we saw in practice this week. So I know you were excited to see him. Um, just Chigakonku catches a touchdown. Austin Hooper got some reps. Like all the new weapons were out there working, and I thought they had a pretty good game. Yeah, I think they they had a great game, and I, I think that when you really look at it, let's start with Kyle Phillips. I was so impressed with Kyle Phillips. In fact, I almost 
I almost put out a tweet. And I want I want your thoughts on the tweet. It's not well, not really. This is a draft. You're getting yeah. my you're getting my thoughts on your Twitter draft. Well, what I was gonna put out there, and I don't know if it was really gonna be how it'd be taken if I couldn't really get it worded right. But essentially, I think that Kyle Phillips can make the Pro Bowl in his first year as a special teamer. Okay, because I think that he's gonna get at least three touchdown punt returns. Oh and God. yeah, and I think he's going to get an all pro vote, at least one all pro vote. Oh, my God, dude. I think that he's going to be that good on special teams. And this is all for special teams this is not for his work as a wide receiver this is for his work as a returner. No, no, I know what you're saying. Um, so so the amount of overreaction that's probably being done on the social Twitters in the in the Twitter box uh, for Traylon Burks in a negative way is is this is probably your version of that on on the offensive side or on the, no, good, no, on the positive the special side. team side. Now let's be clear. This has nothing to do with offensive I know, production. I know. I meant positive side. I meant like yeah. the positive side. I'm, I'm, I need you to vamp here. Cause I'm going to look up the last time someone had three punt return touchdowns in one season in the NFL, uh, probably Devin Hester or something. Cause but it's been years. I believe. Is it really that I, I, I bet it was pretty early last I mean, year, last year. Um, <laughs> All right, the number of total punt return touchdowns last year in the entire NFL. Yeah. Two. Two. Well, he's going to have all three this year. <laughs> Listen, I just think that he's going to get in as a return specialist some way, somehow. Okay, there were, I, eight, there were eight total punt return touchdowns in the entire NFL in 2020. Not one person had two. That doesn't matter. Rule the the trends are made to be broken, Brayden. All right, okay. You want me to keep going? Here we go. The last Nehemiah Hines had two punt return touchdowns three years ago. Okay, see that's not too far away. I All listen, right. and Kyle Phillips looks just really explosive now. You know, I, I think that maybe some of his decisions were like, "Whoa, I can't believe he did it," but yeah. you know, again, bad process, but really great result. Uh, going to Hassan Haskins, I think that. You're talking about a guy that got 36 of his uh, 39 yards after contact. <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. He forced four missed tackles last night. I mean, he just looked like a guy behind a horrible offensive line that if you put Lawan out there and then you put, you know, Nate Davis out there and Ben Jones out there, you got a guy that can get you the yards to give Derrick Henry some rest. And I think he kind of put to bed any kind of like ridiculous notion that Julius Chestnut was going to make the team over him or even just make the team in general. Ryan Stonehouse was a mixed bag. Again, great arm talent. He was out there holding the field goals for, um, uh, fat is, that hand, is that called hand talent? Yeah, like when you I guess catch, so. catch and you hand, put it down, you yeah, spin it and you're good. A little bit of hand talent Hand talent. And I thought that until he's going to have to start reining in the kicks, at yep. some point, that's what they're really looking for because Brett Kern still looked really good last night. So, yeah. So Kern Kern is still better at accuracy. Yeah. Stonehouse clearly has the leg, though. Like, yeah, it's 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 pretty clear. Um, I'm not. I don't. I think they're going to try to keep Stonehouse on the practice squad for this year, and it could transition at some point during the middle of the year. Is sort and of where I'm at. What there. about Roger McCreary with a statement form tackle on special on the opening kickoff? I thought that that like. I couldn't believe it. It's like just there's Roger McCreary making a play already. And then he starts on the outside. The Caleb Farley comes in. He gets kicked on the inside. He did we'll get, well, we'll get enough. To defensive backs. We'll get there. Well, we'll he's get a there. rookie. 
We're talking offensive rookies. Oh, well. That's right. It says well, right we there got, on the Oh, MPF looked good. He okay, looked yeah. great. So, so I, I wanted to, like, Chig. Reggie Roberson. Reggie Roberson looked good. Dez and Racy don't count technically, but they are kind of newer pieces. And they, I thought Dez had a couple of nice plays. Racy didn't deliver on the big play down the field that we wanted to see from him. Um, but, again, I think it's Chig, Phillips. Um, you, you know, you look at the – I mean, Traylon Burks did catch his first pass. He was open on a couple of others. And Vrabel said on Sunday – you know, we 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 we're we're seeing progress from Traylon Burks. You can't be you can't fault him for lack of opportunity if the quarterbacks aren't going to. He throw thought it he to improved him. his consistency. Yeah, and and yeah. to be honest, there was a lot of wide open plays again that we'll yeah. probably see in the all twenty two that nobody pulled the trigger on. And I think that's the thing. The thing for me is that first off, this offense is supposed to be very vanilla. They're not showing yeah. everything. And like you said, Vrabel talked about the presser. He he. Traylon Burks can't control when someone doesn't see him wide open. Yep. And at this point, I don't think there's any reason to panic about Traylon Burks. I'd be a little bit more worried about him having to constantly ice his knee or whatever he's doing on the sidelines uh, towards the end of games. But as long as he's out there playing, I'll say this. The, what he's doing on the field is stuff that Ryan Tannehill will take advantage of. And that's what matters. What you see in the film and what you see him do on the field, unlike Malik Willis being able to take advantage of it, Ryan Tannehill will not hesitate to make those throws. Traylon Burks is going to be good for this offense. He's going to be good for the regular season. And I don't think there's anything to really worry about when it comes to Traylon Burks. Yep. And even the quick fade, which I think with Will down near the goal line there, when Willis threw to the left sideline with when Burks had one-on-one -on -one coverage, I think it was the right read by Willis because it was the one-on-one -on -one coverage. They were going to go to Burks over the top. It was the I just don't think it was a very good throw. He didn't really give Burks a chance to come down with it inbounds, and so I just don't think it was that great of a throw. And you know, Burks was there, and maybe Tannehill brings him a little bit more inbounds with the throw down the field a little bit more higher, pointing it. Maybe I don't. That, that's the kind of stuff that you can't control if you're the wide receiver. So yeah. I don't over. I think the key is don't overreact to Burks. Usage or not usage, I completely agree with you. The just entire ignore time the box score. If you ignore yeah. the box score and just watch sixteen play, you see a star wide receiver in the making. And I think you nailed it. There are a number of times where I go, Ryan Tannehill does that. Ryan yeah. Tannehill makes that throw. I think it's exactly the way to look at it. That Ryan Tannehill will take advantage of his skill set. Um, but you're right. We'll keep an eye on the 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 knee there or whatever was going on on the sidelines. Um, all right, let's get to some of the bad on the rookies before we do that. Of course, reminder. Kingston Group, our, one of our title sponsors here on the show, buildkg.com. Zach, if you have any big major questions about your house or you want to do some renovations, for example, I don't know about your missus, but my missus has a long list of things she wants done at the house. She wants a pergola in the back. She wants a, new, a half wall built up to a full wall in the bonus room. She wants the doors in the office to be moved and be all stylish. She wants a new vanity in the master bathroom. I don't know why my voice is doing this, but she wants all this stuff. She wants very Seinfeld esque. She wants a new what's she, deal. What's the with deal these with doors? What's the deal with the oven hood? She wants a she wants a new oven hood. Like all these things, you take them to Kingston Group. They can design all of it for you. They can implement it all for you. They can give you a, a, a full price right up front, and they will hit their marks. And the quality will be outstanding. Check them out on the socials, by the way. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com. The work on the socials, it, go look at their stuff, man. It is gorgeous. Their stuff is amazing. You will not be disappointed, so check them out. BuildKG.com. That's the Kingston group. All right. Uh, not not so gorgeous. Um, so Nicholas Petit-Ferrer starts at right tackle. 
I thought he did a pretty good job based on pro football focus. Again, not the end-all be-all, but if you just base it off of that, basically NPF was twice as good as Dylan Radens. Almost all of that was in pass protection. They were about the same in their run blocking. I thought MPF, I watched him almost the entire first quarter. He did a, I thought he did a pretty good job all around. I thought it was, he had a couple of missed blocks, but by and large, I thought Nicholas Petit Ferrer did a good job and Dylan Radens did not. It was a Dylan Radens disaster class. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you see it right there. Uh, it, it was horrendous. I, I, there is no salvaging him as a right tackle at this point. And may, and let's say this, this is the same issues that he had against Tampa last year in the preseason game. He was just, he just gets beat up all the time. He's not for a guy who supposedly is supposed to be a little bit more of your athletic right tackle. He sure as hell doesn't look like it. And at this point, I think you're looking at a small school guy who got overdrafted uh, at, in the second round, who hasn't played a lot of football, who's struggling to catch on at tackle. You've said this a, a couple weeks ago. You said that the best five would be Dylan Reigns at left guard. At this point, I think if you're even hoping for him to be a left tackle, I don't think that he's left tackle material at this point. And, and you know, this, this whole thing, oh, he made Nick Bosa move to the other side. Well, Nick Bosa played even worse against David Questenberry. So... Spare me that this was really an issue of that they were just scared of Dylan Raidens. I, I hate that's a narrative I hate. And that's a real narrative out there. Um, so I look at it as this. This last week and a half or however long is left in the offseason, let's put Dylan Raidens over at left guard and give all the reps to NPF because that's a guy that's earned those reps. That's a guy that shows that he is ascending quickly even if maybe they don't think his floor right now is as good as dylan raiden's his ceiling is higher and he, he will reach he will elevate his own floor with more reps as the season goes on to me that's a no-brainer it's kind of like this this i this put malik willis as quarterback too that's your art right tackle one put him in there let Dylan Radens try to beat out Aaron Brewer at left guard because he's bigger, and maybe you can salvage that pick. Because right now, you're talking about Isaiah Wilson and uh, mentally stable Isaiah Wilson uh, back back years. I, because at this point, I just don't see that Dylan Radens could be anything more than A, a swing tackle, or B, a starting left guard. And, and I'll be very clear, if you get a starting left guard or in a couple of years a, a, a developed right tackle and MPF moves to the left, for example, I still think that's a valuable draft pick. It's not as high as it should have been viewed, maybe. But I think once you're in the league, you kind of forget where you've been drafted and just try to find out, can I use you as much as possible? And maybe it just takes Raidens longer to go. But I'm with you. I think Nicholas petit Ferrer is your starting right tackle as of today. As of time of recording, after watching that game, he clearly was a better player, significantly so in pass protection, not even not even close. And if he, and if he's about the same in run run blocking, you're going to take the pass pro guy all day. So I think he's absolutely clearly your right tackle. You're going to take the guy that's mentally tough. I mean, at what? this point, and not to knock Dylan Raidens, I think that if you're looking at the guy that has the mental ability as well as the physical ability. You're you're taking NPF all day long. Um, I, I think he's he's he obviously has the desire and the want to to win this job. It feels like Dylan Raidens just can't 
gained any kind of confidence whatsoever to push this rookie away. So I think you just got to switch him to his natural side is to the left. I think he's going to do bet much better as a guard than a tackle in this league. Let him fight it out with Aaron Brewer for a week and a half and see if he can't just quickly overtake Aaron Brewer. I think he's more athletic and bigger. Not not more athletic in terms of quickness. Brewer is much quicker, but like mm-hmm. just more raw, pure athletic ability. I think Raiden's than than Brewer. Um, that would be a good battle. I do think that keeping Raiden's running him at right tackle, running him at left guard, run him run him all over the place. Because again, Jordan Roos was in there for most of the game at right tackle or right guard. Because Nate Davis is still we're still kind of in limbo with him. But I I, I think Raiden's is still an asset. I think he's still valuable for the, for the time being as right now a backup that can play multiple positions. Maybe, again, maybe he can start at left guard if, if, if Brewer gets pushed around by larger defensive tackles. I think the good news for Titans fans is that MPF has come along much quicker than expected, that he's realizing the potential that we all saw when he was the number one offensive I recruit. I think that's a, a miracle slash godsend after yeah. watching Dylan Raiden's play. Like, you... <laughs> You you may not you yeah. may view it as I can't believe that we had to draft a third round tackle to replace our second round tackle just a one year later, but thank God we did. You know that's how well, I would be yeah. viewing it as a fan. Thank God and, the and Titans did that. The only thing I want to see from MPF a little bit more is that like killer instinct to finish. Like he shows the work ethic, but one of the things that like when we when I was working in recruiting, one of the things we would look at with with high school prospects is sort of that mean streak that when you want to finish with someone like you want to drive someone into the ground, right. In particular on the run in the run blocking situations, that's the one thing I think he needs to add is sort of that like mean streak to like finish dudes because he's clearly got the size and the athletic ability and the talent and the mental makeup. He's got it all. He just has to sort of like put that last oomph on it. And I, again, I thought he played very well uh, against Tampa Bay and against some like guys that are starters. Like he, he played against some guys that are going to get, regular reps for the Tampa Bay defense, which is a very good defensive front. So uh, Dylan Radins, I don't know, man. We'll have to see. We'll have to see about that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm out on Dylan Radins yeah. as I, far as being a starting right tackle. I, I And to be honest, he didn't really show me enough in that one start to make me think that yeah. they can hold on to him for a year and he can start on the left side next year. I, I think they, if you want to salvage this pick, you got to either – you got to get him as a starting guard on the left side. And that's the only way that you're really going to get real value out of the second round pick. I, I, to me, the only time that that, uh, the only other time I would mention is because clearly when Petit Ferrer moved over to left tackle, when Lawan went out and then Raiden's played right tackle, that could be the logical per, tra- train of thinking for the Titans two years, let's say next year or two years from now, when Petit Ferrer moves over to left and Raiden's comes in at the right tackle. That could be something they're thinking about long term if they think Lawan is not long for, you know, Nashville. Who knows? Well, um, right now I'm I'm not don't think that you know I I was with you and that was the general thought of when they drafted NPF. But I think after watching the film, they're going to be like, okay, well, we can't we're keeping Taylor Lawan. <laughs> like like I there's just nothing about this about Raidens that gives me any kind of confidence. You, you might be right. So let's go back to the positive side of things here and let's look at the defensive front, which was excellent all through practice on Wednesday and Thursday's joint practices. They were great. They were great. Once again, Bud Dupree was good in the first couple of series. TR Tart made a couple of plays behind the line of scrimmage, getting after it with some TFLs. Rashad Weaver was my number one star on the defensive front. If you ask me who was the guy that stood out, Ola Adeni was also right at the top of the list. Like these are depth pieces now that are David starting and to as well. And, and David Anini, Adeni and Anini, both great. 
Uh, but Weaver was my number one guy. I thought he was excellent. And, and just Mike Vrabel talked a lot about his work ethic and how much he grinds and how much he works all last week. And, and he's bringing in that. new moves. Like that's one of the things that yep. he talked about is like, he's working on new moves. You, it took Harold Landry year four to start working on new moves and Rashad's doing it in the second year. So I think, you know, I, a couple of people dinged Rashad Weaver in that first game for being a little slow. Again, knee injury it takes a little bit to get comfortable in the end game time, which we saw with Caleb Farley. It's a great example. Taylor Lewan, it took, you know, half the year last year. Game two, Rashad Weaver looked like preseason star Rashad Weaver of last year that got everybody so hyped. There's no reason not to be excited. It's going to be so interesting to see how they find him snaps, right? Because you still have Harold Landry. You still have Bud Dupree. You still have Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons. Like, who's coming off the field? Is it a defensive back? Is it a linebacker coming off the field so Rashad Weaver can find the field? Like, that is, that's the next big thing for Rashad Weaver is let's get pumped about Rashad Weaver. Now let's find ways to get him the ball. Or not well, get him. I, well, sorry, I'm thinking Traylon Burks, but... I, find ways to get him on the field to go after the guy with the ball. Yeah, and I think honestly like in the in the modern NFL in particular in the AFC where you're going to play lots of games where you're going to be on the field rushing the passer a lot, you just need to have rotational pieces. You need to have like Bud Dupree and Harold Landry cannot play every single snap whether it's against the run on first down or in a passing situation on third down like you're going to you're you're going up against quarterbacks that are going to sling it all over the place and so you're going to need three and four guys. Adenahi and here's here's one thing that I saw in the two minute drill practice on Thursday. They had a Denny playing middle linebacker like a Tampa two drop like 15 yards deep into the backfield into the secondary ahead of Zach Cunningham. So they already have all these creative ways to get Weaver and, and a Denny on the field, even in traditional sittings and their situations where you still have Dupree and Landry out there, too. So like it, they, they've got so many pieces to be creative. Weaver could be slotted in the Danico Autry role, like lined up with his hand in the dirt on a pass rush situation with Dupree and Landry. Like they can do a lot of different stuff with these guys because they're so versatile. And it's like the secondary. It's very arousing <laughs> to watch to watch all and, the versatility. And again, a player that's probably earning their spot another week in a row. And another reason why maybe Logan Woodside shouldn't find a, a spot on the initial 53 David and Ninny, they even had him play in in the slot and like Harold Landry on a on a, on a play. I mean, I, I know last week I said, "Well, this is probably just going to be Reggie Roberson," but this is a better version of what Reggie Roberson was showing in preseason games. This is a guy that's really catching on. You know, I even think that he was he was actually graded as a draftable player uh, by most analysts and. I don't see any reason why if he's playing special teams, if he's being able to do everything you want him to do, he's making some a good case these last few weeks that he may not even clear the waivers because that's yep. the kind of guy that someone's going to pick up off waivers yep. to try and, you know, supplement maybe an injury or to supplement their practice squad or whatever they're going to do. At least make him a priority uh, free agent or waiver wire priority or whatever yep. it is. Because right now, I think that that's a valuable piece to hold on to uh, for the foreseeable yep. future. I, I agree. He's big. He's physical. He's rangy. He's he's sort of built in the same mold as a Denny he and um, uh, Landry, sort of in that mold where you're opposite of Bud Dupree. I, I, I think you cannot continue to flash in practice, then continue to flash in joint practice, and then continue to flash in every game you play and not be a, a, a thing that the coaches want. Now, I'd, I'd have him right now as the number five 
outside linebacker. Right. So the question the question is, do they want to keep him or not? And that that's that's up to them. Um, and we can kind of continue this because I thought again, TR Tart had a good game. I, I thought you know we talked about Weaver. You know, Jones had the interception, showed some athletic ability on the return there. Deshaun Hand had a couple of nice plays. I thought Chance he actually, Campbell had some good plays. Chance Campbell got into the backfield a couple of yep. times, um, knocked down some passes. Dr. Gibby played a lot. I'm still not sure where he is on the depth chart. Um, but I do think if Anini and a Denny, Anini and a Denny, if they can play more versatile roles, especially in like passing situations, that that will give them some confidence in their middle linebacker depth chart as well. Yeah. It, to me right now, it's all about your injuries on the on the middle linebacker spot, whether or not how many you're going to keep and who you're going to keep. I think for sure they're keeping Chance Campbell. Chance Campbell's the lock to make this yeah. roster. They really like what he does at practices, um, and I think there was a market improvement from game one to game two for Chance Campbell. Agree. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Special when you really look at this defense, this defense is so, so deep. Like, really good players are going to get cut. And it's, I think a lot of teams are going to be looking to try to duplicate the Mike Vrabel magic. And I think they're going to fail because ultimately, I think a lot of these players that find ways to make plays week in and week out, a big, large chunk of it has to be the credit of Mike Vrabel's coaching and Shane Bowen's coaching. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Chance Campbell also very good on special teams um, as well. The first couple of games, he, here's the one. So I want to let's give credit the positive side of this, which is very disruptive on defense against Tampa Bay. A bunch of sacks, a bunch of pressures, a bunch of different guys making plays in the backfield. A lot of play behind the line of scrimmage, interceptions, tipped passes, four forced fumbles, a lot of stuff. I want to make sure everyone realizes Tampa Bay's offensive line is in complete shambles. There was no Tom Brady. The top four wide receivers for Tampa didn't play. I just want to be like, it's good to see. It's a positive step. But let's, I just want to say like, that was you not exactly see, elite, elite competition there. But you want to see a team. And I, and I think I talked about this on Thursday's show. When you are an elite team or an elite side of the ball, you want to dominate your lesser opponent and they dominated them. Yep. And I think that's what you want, regardless of the talent level. Because we have seen this team too many times play down to lesser competition. That's so true. To see them to go down, out, and dominate lesser competition is a good sign for this defense, regardless of what's the 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 actual and proper context that you're providing. Nope, you're absolutely right. Uh, we'll talk about the secondary, some defensive backs, a look ahead at the Arizona joint practices this week, and maybe a, a quick note from around the NFL. But let's remind you, of course, that the, that the football show is brought to you by Weiss Liquors. Our great friends over there on uh, Gallatin, right there in East Nashville, right next to the Titan Stadium, just like a couple of blocks away from the Titan Stadium. Go to Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, have booze delivered right to your door because let Weiss Liquors do the driving. Is that right? They drive so you can drink. <laughs> there we go. I'm just going to let you do that from now on. You're way better at it than I am. And if you pop in the store, of course, to stock up on your latest tailgate party, just say 440 at the cashier register there when you check out. And all our great friends over at Weiss Liquors will give you 10% off. So Weiss Liquors, family owned and operated, independently owned, locally owned here in Nashville for almost 100 years, serving the community. So buy local, folks. If you're going to buy booze, buy local. All the prices are the same. So get it where they're going to give you 10% off. Give it where they're going to deliver it to your door and get it where it's close to the Titan Stadium. I don't know what else to say about Weiss Liquors. So go to Weiss Liquors, everybody. So yeah. there you go. Get your ass there. Get your get your ass to the liquor store and drink, please. Uh, all right. Uh, secondary. 
defensive backs, uh, Caleb Farley, 0 for 4 uh, in terms of uh, four, four pass attempts. Now he's, he, he did let uh, incompletion. He did let Scotty Miller get behind him on one, and and one of them he was a little late on, but he made the play. I thought otherwise it was a pretty good day for, for Caleb Farley. Roger McCreary didn't really play much at all. I thought Kalu had a great game. Uh, Lonnie Johnson was all over the field. Um, it's funny everybody was so worried about the safety position (laughs) you know the couple of injuries Amani Hooker wasn't practicing Theo Jackson's not practicing what are they gonna do at safety and the three guys they brought in to play the safety position all made plays you know Tyree Gillespie you're talking about Josh Kalou and you're talking about um, Lonnie Johnson which I thought when they brought in Lonnie Johnson I noticed when I was checking his snaps on PFF I thought that he was going to get some snaps at safety, and I think I thought that that was who what they were bringing him into play, not necessarily corner, but to play the safety position. And and it turns out it's where he played most of his snaps for the game, and he did a tremendous job for a guy that just joined the team halfway through. He's familiar with Anthony Midget. That's why they went out and got him. His rookie year was was Anthony Midget's last year as a defensive backs coach. Uh, he didn't really cross paths with Mike Frabel, so that doesn't really matter. But, it, you know, what I see is basically A.J. Moore being shown the door. You know, mm-hmm. I know that A.J. Moore was a first wave free agent signing. They paid him like $2.5 million, and they're on the hook for that or whatever. But ultimately, does it really fucking matter? Does that two point five even matter? No, they're always they don't care about the contracts, so neither should you. They care about the best 53. And AJ Moore right now is not part of the best 53 of this team. And I think that if you also look at it from the perspective of because I've seen a few people buck up at this, well, then they should have signed Dane Crookshank at a million dollars. Well, don't you think that if Dane Crookshank would have took a million dollars at the beginning of opening a free agency, he would have taken it and stayed? Instead, he went and bet on himself and had to settle. Four million dollars, and guess who's not playing for the Bears right now? Dane Crookshank because he's been injured. What a shocking development that an often <laughs> injured player is injured. So I'm not even worried about missing Dane Crookshank. I wasn't worried to begin with because AJ Moore was not a one to one replacement for Dane Crookshank. He wasn't coming in to be the tight end eraser or whatever you want to call it. That they were always going to do that position by committee or whoever stepped yep. up. from the multiple positions that they have. So I'm looking at this secondary. Roger McCreary was not only playing in the slot and out wide, but he played a lot of box uh, snaps in the box as well. So they used him everywhere, which is exactly how they would have used Molden if he was playing. We talk about this all the time. This is as deep a secondary as I can ever remember the Titans having. And it can be one of the best secondaries in the NFL even though they're super, super young and inexperienced, they have all the talent in the world right now. And both Jacksons are hurt right now. Yeah. Like that's that's a, that would have been safety three or four and cornerback six, and both those guys are out. And in the meantime, you're getting Greg Maben a bunch of reps, and you know all these other Shakir Brown. I think got a bunch of more got got a bunch more reps uh, as well this this past weekend. So I think they still need to work some stuff out. But if you tell me that Hooker Byard Molden Farley, McCreary, and Fulton, those six defensive backs are going to play the vast majority of snaps in the defensive secondary in some form or fashion. I think the Titans fans should be ecstatic about that. 
Like, and, and we saw it because need. you know why McCreary saw 18 coverage snaps. If I'm, if I recall correctly, you know what happened? Those 18 coverage snaps. He wasn't targeted once. Cause you know why? Cause someone's doing their damn job out in the field. Do your job. And, and listen, they tried to pick on Caleb Farley, and he made them pay for it with his athletic ability and his just general being able to be rangy, his length. I, I'm just impressed. I'm impressed with Caleb Farley. I thought that he answered that, you know, the the trade day where, I, where everybody on Wednesday wanted to trade him away and call him a bust, and he answered back fairly quickly and efficiently. And I, and I think that you're going to see his confidence grow with the ankle and everybody and you're just going to be like okay well McCreary's starting this week Farley starting next week McCreary yeah, starting yeah. this week Farley starting next week like, no, it's going to be crazy and I think McCreary saw less time for a number of reasons and Vrabel kind of tap danced around this on on Sunday but I think McCreary is coming back from an injury right he's not as fully healthy as Farley is he wanted Farley had some had built some momentum in Thursday's practice and he wanted to continue to give him some confidence and momentum uh, in some real game snaps. And so I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to one guy being in different situations or the other. I think they're just sort of like every guy's got their own plan with Rabel and his staff on how they're going to get him into into action and lathered up. And it's all again, if it is Molden, Fulton, McCreary, Farley, Hooker, and Bayard, those six defensive backs for the vast majority of the 2022 season, the secondary will be one of the best in the AFC. Full stop. Full That's stop. It. Full stop. All right. Uh, Arizona, what are you looking for? Because Vrabel said some stuff about this after the practice. Like he thought it was great practice against the Bucks, but he kind of said they might tweak some so how they're going to practice with Arizona, kind of keep the teams separate a little bit more. Obviously, the, the, the brawl at the end there. Uh, against Tampa. What are you looking forward to this week in practice? I need to see some Nate Davis. Like I am, I'm a little worried about Nate Davis, not getting valuable reps in during practice. I don't really technically care about the, about the game, but Nate Davis has got to be, got to be in there and off whatever he's doing. He's got to be in there gelling with this team, gelling with NPF. I want NPF and Nate Davis, Ben Jones, Aaron Brewer or Dylan Raidens and Taylor one. I want the starting offensive line getting a ton of work this week all together gelling because I, I fear that Nate Davis is going to have a slow start if he doesn't start getting some valuable reps in. So that's one of the things I'm looking at. I, I think that with Deandre Hopkins coming into town and they've been talking about offensive pass interference and being physical and all this stuff. I'd like to see the cornerbacks get physical. Um, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm mainly looking at the offensive line and the cornerbacks. And that seems like what we've been talking about the whole time, the wide receivers versus Arizona's defense. I'm not too concerned about really. It's just like, I, I just, I guess I'm not concerned with, with Ryan Tannehill and the, the wide receivers. And, and really we're heading into the regular season. How much more can I really care about Malik Willis or Logan Woodside and their quarterback battle? Like this is not the time to right. really worry about right. that anymore. This it's time to start getting the starting offense and the starting defense, getting going, gelling and everything to in preparation because in two weeks is a regular season, baby. Yeah, to me, it's the offensive line and the pass catchers on offense continuing to get work together. I want to see they spread the ball around a lot in practice against Tampa on offense. Ryan Tannehill did specifically. I want to see that again this week. I want to see Chig get involved, throw it to Hooper, throw it to Phillips. I want to see Bobby Bobby Trees getting involved as well. I want to see a lot of different pieces catching passes from Ryan Tannehill specifically 
Uh, and I want because the offensive line was not particularly great in practice. That was the one area I'd circle and say, watch it. It's also the one area we've been circling for the better part of six months now uh, and we will continue to circle. I'm with you on Nate Davis as well. So to me, it's all about the offensive line. And then what does ha- what happens off of that? You like to the, see Danico Autry back at practice too, like. And, I'd, and like to, I'd like to see that Danico Autry is still alive. Like yeah. I want, no one's seen his face. I don't think it's not necessarily that they with the emergence of Raj she, Weaver they need Danico Autry, but you your team is better with Danico Autry and Rashad Weaver both available. So let's yep. get some of these guys that aren't that been on the bikes or been missing out there as a, as just a sign that they're alive and not held somewhere. Hostage. Danico yeah. Autry is actually being hostage on Jim Mercer's airplane currently. No one yeah, knows. I, I'm in, but you're you're totally right. My my main focus is okay. Malik Willis, Logan Woods, I really don't care anymore. I I am now gearing up for the regular season. It's to ramp up. I'm looking at okay. Well, Ryan Tannehill, what's he doing in practice? Is he going to continue doing what he's doing? I don't care that Derek Henry's not practicing because I mean. No, he's, he doesn't need it. I he, mean, I, I've, 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 I've talked to him kind of not on media availability, but just like chatted with him, like after practice, just kind of standing around. And I've, I've been around him since he was a sophomore at Alabama, and he is even more physically impressive today than he was at any point during his career. So I'm not, I'm not worried about him. Yeah, it's the uh, offensive line and the pass catchers, right. and how that all works together that I want to see look real good this week in practice. We'll have a full review for you guys, of course, on Thursday's episode as well. We'll be back live. 1 p.m. on Thursday, so make sure you check that out. Anything from around the league you care about at all, or are you good on week two NFL preseason I'm good game? on week two. I didn't really pay attention. I think the Bills are a little overhyped, and the, the hype train continues to grow, but we okay. can get a little bit more into that later because I know we're pressed for time. Yep, we'll get out of here. Uh, Raiders offensive line, huge concern so far. It doesn't matter how many great weapons you've got, Derek Carr. If you don't have time to throw, you're going to be in trouble. So the Raiders offensive line, that's the one to keep an eye on. That could be a team that falls out of the playoff race if in the AFC if the Raiders offensive line. So all this stuff we'll, we'll do coming up as we preview the entire season here and make some predictions on who's making the playoffs in the AFC soon. Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors, Broadway Sports Media, F-Words Pod, 440 Sports, at Braden Gall on Twitter. Thank you guys for hanging out with us and dealing with us this week. We really appreciate it. We'll be back on Thursday. That has been a football show. This has been a football show. You're Zach. I'm Braden. This has been a football show. Good guy.